Hello and welcome to the podcast of Britain Christian Church. We exist to be a lighthouse of hope to our community. Now, here's Pastor Ryan. Guys, um, last time I was up here, I was leading us through a new section of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Uh, last August, we looked at three disciplines, three disciplines within the faith that are essential for believers. And that first one was giving. We talked about how important it is, and more importantly, how vital our motives are when we give. And today we're going to be talking about prayer. Now you're going to be tempted to doze off given this is a basic basic uh, discipline, but don't you dare do it. We never, ever, ever want to look past basics in faith or in general for that matter. And I'll, I'll give you a, an example here. Uh, many of you are aware of Vince Lombardi. Uh, he became the coach of the Packers in 1959, a year after a dismal season in 1958. I believe they only won two games that year. And at his first preseason gathering with the team, he stood up and he gave probably his most famous quote. Mind you, this is a room full of athletes who have been playing their whole lives. These are professionals. He holds up a football and says, gentlemen, this is a football. That was his welcome speech. With that statement, he let them know that they were getting back to the basics. And why is that? Well, they lost game after game the prior season by not concentrating on the basics. And he was trying to change their focus. And did it work? I would say so. He won five championships, including the first two Super Bowls. Not too shabby. Another coach who got back to the basics was the legendary John Wooden. And I mean it when I say the basics. At the beginning of each basketball season, he would get his team together and he would demonstrate how to put on his sock so that it was snug and wrinkle-free. <laughs> that, that may be a little too basic. Nonetheless, his, his resume speaks for itself. Ten NCAA championships. That's, that's amazing. So you see, the basics are crucial in sports, and they're even more vital in the Christian arena. I, I met with a young man not too long ago, uh, been married and having struggles. And so I asked him, hey, man, have you been connecting with God? Have you been praying? Have you been praying for your spouse? And he just kind of shrugged and, and gave me the no. And so as a result, uh, he's dealing with these repercussions. He got away from the basics. And he, he's not alone. Uh, we see this all around us. And there's a stat that Barna put out in 2021 showing that 64% of Americans pray to God at least once every seven days. And, and that sounds okay. But if you compare that to 2012, it's vastly different. In 2012, it was 83%. And this is just at least once every seven days. So the trend is definitely going the wrong way. We got to reverse that trend, folks. We got to get back to the basics. Amen. To accomplish this feat, we better define what prayer is. In its simplest form, prayer is communion with God. It is listening and talking to God as you would do in any healthy relationship. Prayer is an avenue for us to 
to honor God, to worship Him. It's a way for us to align ourselves with Him, a way for us to present our request as well as the request of others. All in all, prayer is a necessary discipline within the Christian faith. It's like the fuel that runs the car. Without it, you're going to stall out really quick. This is why Jesus prefaces his remarks on prayer with the phrase, When you pray. Jesus laid out the expectations on giving by saying, when you give, and he's doing the same thing with prayer. He doesn't say, if you decide to pray or if you feel like it, I got some tips for you. No, he says, when you pray. And then he tells us, hey, it should be done in a certain way. So we're going to look at his model in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 5. You can follow along in the YouVersion app, or Miss Angela will have the verses up here. But Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would enlighten us, that you would teach us how to pray. Verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. A lot to unpack here, but we see up front that Jesus once again steps on toes particularly those toes of the religious leaders who were considered masters of their craft. They were considered master prayers. And and I'm not saying that half-heartedly. I mean, these guys were faithful Jews who would have known a wide array of prayers. Uh, You know one of their prayers that they often prayed. It's the Shema found in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They would have known this prayer, and faithful Jews would have known 18 other formalized prayers that they would have prayed at 9 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. That's a lot of information. That's a lot of praying. Unfortunately, though, many of these prayers, they became nothing more than mindless repetitions. Worse yet, pride crept into the hearts of many of the Pharisees, just as it had with some of them when they gave their money. You see, just like today, many of them believed they could earn God's favor by praying long, rosy prayers. Furthermore, they knew they could draw a crowd. They knew they could gain approval as they projected those beautiful prayers from the street corners for everyone to hear. Jesus, he wasn't having it. He called out their hypocrisy, and he showed them how useless their prayers were. For prayers meant to glorify God, not people. So we see that despite their so-called expertise, a good number of these folks really didn't know what they were doing. 
Consequently, Jesus gave them some wonderful insight on prayer. He tells them, first off, go to your rooms and pray in secret. Be done with all that performance stuff. Does that mean that public prayer is not appropriate? No. I mean, godly people throughout Scripture prayed in public. Jesus prayed in public. And obviously, he prayed with the right motives. Jesus is not downplaying public prayer. Rather, I think he's more so emphasizing the reward of communing with God in a private place. A place where we aren't as tempted to try to press God with our big old English words. God is not interested in such superficial ramblings intended for crowds. crowds. He wants our hearts, y'all. He wants our focus. So once Jesus establishes this, He's ready to teach us the model, the model prayer. The same prayer he taught his disciples when they asked him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask to be taught a lot of things, but that was one of them. And he's going to share this model with this crowd. He starts off by saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's an old English word there. It means holy. Holy is your name. Now, as we go through here, hopefully you'll notice that there's not one personal pronoun used. No I, no me. It's all plural language. Our Father. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. With this first word, Jesus provides a challenge. In our individualistic society, how many of our prayers revolve around the pronouns me, myself, and I? Without a doubt, God is a personal Savior. He is our everlasting Father to all those who have put their trust in Him. At the same time, God has other kids. He is our Father. And I think this is a perfect way to address Him in our prayers. He's not some distant, angry deity. He's our personal Father. He's our Abba Father. He's a caring Daddy. A Daddy that is completely holy. His holiness is also important to remember because as humans, we tend to project characteristics on God, whether it's good or bad. And when it comes to those negative qualities, man, we got we to gotta watch that. I mean, we're going to be tempted to be like Connie's dad and project all these negative things. When that temptation comes, we got to get back to the word and what truth says. God is set apart. Regardless of what our feelings say, he's completely faithful. He is completely true. I, I bring this up partly because a couple weeks ago, uh, Nancy Lehman shared her testimony with the deacons. Super powerful. If you have not heard her story, it will encourage you. She's dealt with much hardship, but God has been so faithful in her life. Uh, when she was one years old, her biological father died. So the only father figure she knew was her stepdad, who married her mom a few years later. And sadly, he was not a very good man. Dealt with addiction. Uh, he was abusive in a lot of different ways. And the kids just walked on eggshells uh, during his whole life. Uh, so she very easily could have given into the temptation to put those negative qualities on God. But she focused on truth. And she texted, I, I reached out to her afterwards, wanted to inquire more about how she was so strong in her faith. And she allowed me to share uh, what, I, what I'm about to read to you. She said, God was the opposite of what my earthly parents were. He was other. 
So when my earthly father figure failed me, it was easier to say, but God is different. God is loving when my heavenly, when my earthly parents aren't. Isn't that an awesome perspective? Man, I wish more people had that perspective. It just shows that acknowledgement of who you're talking to goes a long way in our prayers. Seeing God as a loving father, it naturally aligns us and it, it changes our posture. And we see here that it also guides our request. Jesus prays his holy father. Then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As an ambassador of God the Father, notice Jesus didn't start his request by highlighting his own agenda. He wasn't asking for safety or security or comfort. Instead, his first request was that God's kingdom would come to earth, that earth would look like heaven. So this begs the questions, what is heaven like? What does it look like for God's kingdom to come to earth? Well, we know heaven is a joyful place, full of love, full of relational harmony. It's peaceful. When it comes to God's kingdom on earth, we also know that his will is pervasive throughout Scripture. He wants us to be holy like him. He wants us to serve. He wants us to make disciples. Likewise, we know for a fact within God's kingdom, he wants us to pray for others. And I'm, I'm going to give you an example here. Uh, 1 Samuel 12, the prophet Samuel told his fellow believers Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. This is an expectation in Scripture. You are sinning. You're missing the mark when you don't pray for others within God's kingdom. Therefore, praying for people is a great way to bring God's kingdom to earth. Practically speaking, you can fulfill this calling by praying people will experience the Father's love. You can pray they will realize harmony amid tension. And even when you don't know what to pray, you can borrow from the Bible. I do this all the time. I don't have the words. I, I get confused. I don't know what to pray. So there's a lot of smart people that I borrow from in the Bible. I'll just copy what I see and paste it in my journal. I'll put it in my Bible app. That way, when I'm praying for those in need, I have a roadmap. I'll give you an example. Paul prayed in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 9. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And now I have something to go by. On Tuesday mornings when I'm praying for Marquisha, God, man, help her to understand your will. As she's dealing with this injury, God, help her to have wisdom. Help her to have an understanding to navigate uh, this hard time. God, bring heaven to earth in her life. Straight from the Bible. To my knowledge, there's no law, there's no copyright issue with using the prayers of biblical figures. We have creative license. Use it. Just as an NFL rookie would glean from a, a veteran, we can do the same. So hopefully this is a, an example that can help us think about one way at least to bring heaven down to earth. After Jesus prays this, he then shifts the focus to our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. As you might suspect, bread represents a need, uh, particularly in Jesus' context. They didn't have Walmarts around every corner. They really did need their daily bread. His words show us it is okay to ask God for our personal needs as we look out for the interests of others. Like any good father, God wants to provide 
when we ask. He says as much in Matthew chapter 7. We'll eventually get there. But in verse 7, he says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and that door is going to be open. He wants to respond to our prayers, and he will in one way or another. Then we see in verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Our Father loves to give us our daily bread. He loves to provide our needs. I believe this firmly, and I've experienced his provision in my life as you have and as many people have. In fact, I heard a story not too long ago about a guy who was so broke, uh, he couldn't afford toilet paper, so he literally asked God for toilet paper. He was driving down the road the next day. He came across uh, a curve in the road, and lo and behold, toilet paper was all over the road. The truck must have lost its cargo, and he was blessed for a year or more with toilet paper. That, that is our God. He provides Still, if you're like me, you've had your questions. You've had your questions. We hear about God providing in ways like that, yet we've prayed for things in deep faith, and God didn't seem to answer. Why does he provide answers to some prayers and not others? It's a great question, and I have a feeling you're going to struggle with this uh, throughout your life in one way or another. The simple answer is I don't exactly know. God's ways are a lot higher than mine, but God's word does give us guidance. It does give us hope as we contemplate this issue. For instance, scripture teaches that prayer can be hindered by wrong motives. James tells us that in chapter 4. Therefore, you may run into a brick wall if you pray for money for the sole purpose of, of blowing it on yourself. Likewise, you may be stopped in your tracks if you pray according to your own will. The Apostle John tells us if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If our will is at the center of the ask, he may not hear us as well. You see, God's, God wants his will and glory to be magnifying prayers, not ours. So long story short, despite popular belief, God is not a vending machine. We can't dial in our ridiculous requests and expect God to ob- oblige us. No more than kids should expect their parents to bend to their selfish desires if they've been knuckleheads or been disobedient or whatever. I mean, let me ask you, did you have any luck uh, when you were a teenager? uh, You were wanting to go to the mall, go to the arcade or whatever, but you were sprawled out on the couch all day being lazy. Did your parents bend to your request? Or did they grant you your wish when you were disrespectful to them or when you failed when you refused to do your chores? No, no. Motives and obedience play a huge part in prayer. That said, there are many times when we pray with the right motives. We pray for legitimate needs, and as far as we know, we're being obedient, and God doesn't answer. Again, I don't know exactly why that is, but even when I don't understand God's sovereign will, I can trust his character. Even when I don't know what's going on in the world, I can trust his character. I can trust his everlasting love. I can trust his divine wisdom. I can bank on the fact that he is working all things together for our good. We saw that played out last week, right? Pastor Mike was talking about Brother Ewan in China and just all the pain and suffering he experienced. But at the same time, 
he knew a joy and a peace and a purpose like none other. And he's still seen fruit from what he went through. God has a plan. You see it in Genesis. Joseph, you better believe he was questioning God and asking why after he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And yet you flip over to chapter 50 and you see God had a plan to save a nation. Corey Tim Boone offers a good analogy for us to think about. She once wrote, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. That's a great visual. We should never, ever shy away from asking God for our daily needs, for our rent payments, for healing, or whatever. At the same time, when God doesn't answer like we think he should, man, trust Trust him. He's the ultimate engineer. Don't lose heart. I promise you, God will eventually show you light at the end of the tunnel as you trust him, as you obey him in the dark. Let's move on to the next section, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Asking for and extending forgiveness is another important aspect of prayer. So much so, Jesus got right back to the issue two verses later. In verse 14 and 15, he said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus didn't beat around the bush. Your forgiveness is contingent upon your willingness to forgive. Plain and simple. And why is that? Well, think about the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. Jesus he gave a wonderful scenario um, about a, a servant who owed his master about 150,000 years worth of wages. That's a lot of wages. And naturally, this guy couldn't pay, and so he begged and pleaded, and the master graciously forgave his debts. So you'd think this guy would be grace-filled, but he went out and found someone who owed him about 15 years worth of wages. It's a big discrepancy, 150,000 to 15 Yet he didn't show any grace. He had that guy thrown in jail, which is crazy. But isn't that us? We are to forgive as we've been forgiving, which is a lot. I would say more than 150,000 years worth of wages. Y'all, it is imperative we cancel the debt of sin. We don't have to cancel the consequences necessarily, but we can cancel the debt of sin. Otherwise, we'll resemble this unforgiving fool. And that bitter root, it will grow up inside us, and it will defile us and those around us. I, I know sometimes we like to think we're getting even with people when we don't forgive them, but that old saying is so true. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else will die. It just doesn't work. Don't give in to the temptation to not forgive. Rather, focus on the grace you've received. Then and only then, Will you be able to forgive your debtors? Amen. Speaking of temptation, let's look at one more portion of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from e the evil one. Did I read that right? Does God lead us into temptation? You're right. You're right. At first glance, it sure looks like this is what he's saying, but this is why Interpreting the Bible with the Bible is so imperative. James informs us in James 1 
God does not tempt us. He does not tempt anyone. It's impossible. On the other hand, God does test us like any good coach or teacher would do in order to promote us. So what is Jesus saying with this prayer request? I like the way the New Living Translation uh, translates this. It, it helps me grasp his main point here. So they, they take it from the Greek and put it in English this way. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That makes sense to me. It goes without saying, we will never escape the temptations of life. And boy, is it easy to yield to those temptations. We all need help. Amen? Amen. We all need help. Thankfully, we serve a father, a faithful father, who promises to provide a way out. He tells us that he will help us endure any temptation. So if you feel stuck and like there's no way to get out, your verse is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That needs to be your memory verse this week because he is faithful and he will help us. The question is, will we utilize his help? Jesus sure did. And Jesus is God. He, but he didn't play the God card all the time. He was also 100% human. So he knows the temptations we're dealing with. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was knee-deep in a trial. He was overwhelmed to the point of death. So he prayed for help. He asked God to take that cup of suffering from him. But at the end of the day, he wanted his Father's will to be done. And you know the story. God didn't take away the cup of suffering, thank God. But he did help him resist temptation. He hit, did help him overcome the flesh through prayer. But let's, let's back up a second and let's contrast his approach to Peter's approach in the garden. After praying, we're told Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Y'all listen to this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter could attest to the spirit being weak because instead of praying, that dude was caught snoozing over and over. And when did you know it? He did exactly what Jesus predicted he would do. He denied Jesus three times. You see that correlation between prayer and temptation? They're, they're tightly related. Y'all, we never graduate from the temptation of sin like Jesus, we must constantly ask God to help us. Otherwise, we're going to rely on that false sense of security known as willpower. Jesus said, apart from him, you can do nothing, including overcoming temptation. He is the only one who can help you overcome evil. That's the Lord's Prayer. There you have it. To sum up, we can, I, I use this prayer acronym all the time. Um, we see that Jesus started out with praise. He praised Father. He called him holy. Next, we see that he made requests. First, he made a request that God's kingdom would come to earth, and then he asked for his daily bread. Next, he, he told his disciples to admit. Admit how they sinned and extend forgiveness. Finally, we see that he encouraged them to yield to yield to God in order to not succumb to the temptations around them. This is the model Jesus gave. He said, when you pray, pray like this. This model is perfect because it shows us how to get in the game and to practice with the right heart. Y'all, I started this sermon talking about football. 
Um, It's time for a lot of us to get off the bench and start playing, to start praying. And I'm not saying we have to recite this prayer 15 times exclusively. There's a lot of different ways to pray in the Bible. You can just scan through Psalms and see that. This is one of the best models, but there's other ways to talk and listen to God. I am saying we have room to grow. So let me ask you, are you practicing? This, this sermon really hit me between the eyes because I am not very good at prayer. I'm really good at making requests, but I'm not very good at listening. So God has been showing me, hey, it's, it's not about emptying your mind like we see in some of the Eastern religions. It's more so about meditating on God's word, taking time to marinate in what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And so I'm trying to create space in the mornings. I'm trying to create space in the car. Like I can actually have the, be on the same frequency with God. How about you? Are you practicing? If not, I encourage you to start. You don't have to start big. Start small. Get those small victories. There's so many wonderful tools out there. I use the PRAY acronym when I start thinking about squirrels or my daily routine. It's like, no. No, I'm on request right now. Okay, now I'm on admit. Uh, There's ACTS. There's the acronym called GROW. There's all kinds of prayer journals. The YouVersion prayer feature is a wonderful tool to guide you through prayer in the morning. Man, start somewhere. If you don't know where to start, I have a spot for you, 4 o'clock, Sweet Hour Prayer, over here in the prayer closet. And those people are prayer warriors. Miss Karen is a prayer warrior. Uh, Karen Douglas is leading that group. And so if you need to, to learn, if you need someone to show you, you're going to be empowered in that space. And you're also going to see God at work. You know, Trey was talking about why we're seeing all this fruit around here. Yeah, keeping Jesus lifted up, honoring him, definitely. But also prayer. Man, God God is doing amazing work. And I think it can be traced back to that room. Y'all, he calls his house to be a house of prayer. Let's move that thing outside of 4 o'clock and let's make it every day. How amazing would that be? We got to start somewhere. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. (laughs) This is a perfect place to start. It will show you how to pray. We got to get in this. Are y'all going to join me this week in practicing prayer? Love it. Love it. As we close, I don't want to ever miss out on an opportunity to extend an invitation I don't want to assume everyone is in God's family. Thanks for listening today. You can watch past sermons on our YouTube channel at Britain Church. We would love to see you on Sunday morning for one of our services at 8.30 or 10.40. Have a great week.